It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hey, good morning. Nearly didn't make it here this morning. Nearly didn't make it through the night, actually. How about them Matildas? Found a new max heart rate on my my, uh, Garmin watch. Like, didn't know it went that high. Man, alive. Anyway, we're still in it. Go the Tillies. Hey, uh, a few years ago, Louis and I were in Whistler, Canada, uh, running a leadership conference up there. Now, if you haven't been... Put it on your list. It's beautiful. Um, it's a ski area in the winter. It's a golfing and water activities area in the summer. Just one hour's drive drive north of Vancouver. We were there to run a leadership conference, not to do any of those aforementioned activities. But the golf courses up there are for rich people. Rich people's golf courses, and I wanted to get a look at them, but I wasn't going to get the chance to play on them. So I thought, here's the play. I'll get up early. Before dawn, before the golf course is officially open to the public, and I'll go for a run, and I'll just go run up and down one of the golf courses. I picked one that was designed by the great Jack Nicholas. thought, yep, that's going to be worth seeing. So there I am from the hotel to the golf course, go up the first fairway, jog, 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 second fairway, jog, 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 turn the corner to head up the third fairway, and in the distance, I saw a big brown bear. And I thought to myself, I have two options in this moment. One, just keep going, Mark. God is with you. Or pray the bear hasn't seen you, turn around and just go back to the hotel and lock the door. I chose option two, which is probably why I'm still here today, okay? And I'm aware that some people, Bear Grylls and friends, are going to brand me as a coward. Uh, I like to think that what I did was the wise thing to do, okay? No argument there. We're continuing our series today, Keep the Faith. This is seventh week of the series. And actually today, I want to talk about somebody who actually does qualify as a coward. They ultimately made it into the hall of faith. However, at no time... In their journey, did God actually call them a coward? So we're going to cover a lot of ground today. You're going to want to have your Bible or your Bible app at the ready. You can scan this flow code if you've got your smartphone camera. It's going to take you to Judges chapter 6. I'm going to be taking us to the New Living Translation. You can choose another translation. But I'm going to tell you ahead of time that there is a ton of stuff in here. um, And uh, you don't want to miss any of it. So today's actual Hall of Faith inductee that I want to zero in on and we want to learn from is Gideon, okay? Gideon was an Israelite and uh, during his time uh, on earth, the Israelites had actually turned away from their God and actually started worshipping other gods. And so the Israelite God, he doesn't really like to be replaced as number one. So he wasn't happy. So he allowed Another nation, an actually very, very aggressive warmongering nation called the Midianites, to oppress the Israelites for seven years. And the Midianites invaded their lands, they destroyed their crops, and the Israelites, just as a kind of, they they didn't really have any defenses, 
at their disposal. So they took to kind of just hiding, hiding in caves and so on. And ultimately they started starving to death, okay? Gideon, a future Hall of Faith inductee, enters the pages of history in this way. The angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which yes, is what Oprah was named after, but her parents misspelled it on her birth certificate. That's a true story. You can check me, but I wouldn't bother. Gideon was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Now, in case you haven't threshed wheat recently, let me give you a little bit of a tutorial in wheat threshing. The whole purpose of wheat threshing is to separate the edible part, the wheat kernel, from the inedible part, the chaff or the straw. That's the first thing you need to know about wheat threshing. Secondly, the way it was done back in those days is they would scoop up the, the whole thing that was wheat and chaff all combined, throw it up in the air, and the wheat being heavier would fall down and the, the straw and the hay bits, which was lighter, would get blown away. So the third thing you need to know is this process of threshing wheat requires wind. The fourth thing you need to know about this picture is in this time, they built wine presses below ground where there's no wind. So if you want to thresh wheat, and Gideon would have known how to do it, this is not the place to thresh wheat. This would have been 100% ineffective. But he wasn't there threshing wheat. He was there hiding. He enters the pages of history as a coward. He was just trying to stay out of sight of the Midianites. And then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero. Mighty hero. The Lord is with you. Now, you got to wonder whether Gideon even bothered looking up. Like he is convinced that like there's no one else around, but whoever this voice is, they sure as heck aren't talking to me because I'm hiding out in a wine press, fresh and wheat, sort of. He's just a terrified farmer trying to survive. But in this moment, this is a reminder that God speaks to us based on our destiny, not our history. Understand that. This was a Prophetic word. This was a future-focused word. This was a, Gideon, I don't know that you see yourself this way. I don't know that anybody in the entire nation of Israel any longer sees themselves this way, but I see you and I'm going to call you by how I see you and what your destiny looks like. Mighty hero. Well, Gideon says, okay, mate. This is the new Aussie translation. Listen, mate. The Lord brought us up out of Egypt, right? No one's disputing that. But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. This is the ultimate, we did nothing wrong, but it's actually, anyway. Then the Lord turned to him after an eye roll and a face palm and said, go with the strength you have this in this moment in Gideon's journey. This is all God asked of him. He didn't say he needed more strength than he currently had. He said, Right here in this moment, go with the strength you have. In this journey of faith, your jump off point from today is exactly where you are today. It's not where you have to be from today, but go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. So the, 
God's not in denial about what's going on in Israel, and he's not in denial about what's going on for Gideon. He's interested in Gideon's present. He's interested in the nation of Israel's present, but he's not only interested in their present. He's also looking to their potential. And one of the mistakes too many people make is we get so consumed in our present that we don't look up and look ahead to our potential. And, and, and when God starts to speak to us in terms of our potential, sometimes we start pushing back. Yeah, but, 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 but God, I mean, <laughs> have you met my family? Uh, God, if only you knew what I've done in my past, you'd never be asking me to do anything useful. You know, have you been inside my head for 24 hours, God? It's not a good place to be. And God knows all that, and He sees all that, but He doesn't get stuck with that. We don't have to start negotiating with God when He starts to speak to our potential. And here's my question, and this really frames a lot of what I want to talk about today. When God meets with you and starts speaking to you, do you take a seat at the potential table or the negotiating table? See, the potential table is where God's trying to tell you what's possible. The negotiating table is where you're trying to remind God why it's impossible. You can't sit at both tables at the same time. We have a choice to make. Are we going to take a seat at the potential table or the negotiating table? Well, you'll be encouraged to learn that future Hall of Faith inductee Gideon took a very, very prominent seat at the negotiating table. But Lord, if you're wondering, mm, good question, Mark, I don't know if I take a seat at the potential table or the, or the negotiating table. If when God speaks to you, your opening reply starts with the words, but Lord, you're at the negotiating table, okay? That's it. It's no mystery. How can I rescue Israel? My, he starts telling God stuff God already knows. My clan's the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. The Lord said to him, again, sure, yep, not denying it, but I will be with you. Man, listen, if you're going to highlight anything in your Bible or your Bible app, by the way, you're allowed to write in paper Bibles, God doesn't have a problem with that. This is the one. You will destroy the Midianites as if you are fighting against one man. That's how God sees every battle. Really? That's it? One, like, no, as if you are fighting against one man. You need to just remember that because that's going to spin your head around a few times this morning. Gideon replied, because again, remember, he's sitting at the negotiating table. He's heard God's voice again. He's heard God's promise again. He's heard God's declaring the victory again. He's heard God talking to his potential again. He says, all right, if you're truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it really is the Lord speaking to me. And for some reason, and again, I don't know if the angel rolled his eyes, but he said, all right, I'll give you a sign. And so the deal was that Gideon was to go home. He was to cook and prepare a goat and some broth and bring it back to the angel, which he did, brought it back to the angel. The angel said, all right, put the goat on that rock and pour the broth over the goat and over the rock which Gideon did, and then the angel touched the rock with his stick and the whole thing shut up in fire and, and fire came shooting out of the rock. 
and burned up the goat and, and as, a, as an offering to God. And I read that and I think to myself, okay, Gideon, it's go time. Push the geo button because that just happened. Gideon asked for a second sign. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Uh, I got this little ball of wool, fleece. So here's, here's, can can we do this? I'm going to leave it outside of my tent overnight. And what I want you to do is, just to prove that this is really God, is to make that like super, super wet, but the ground around it super, super dry. Woke up the next morning. That's exactly what happened. Gideon says, all right, okay. Actually, I'd like another sign for you. (laughs) This time, just to prove that wasn't a fluke, I'm going to put a ball of wool outside my tent, but I want you to keep the wool dry and make the ground all wet. Woke up, exactly what happened. God doesn't seem to mind us taking a little bit of time while we are seated at the potential table. I'm not ready. Take a seat. Take a seat. It's a part of the journey. Take a seat. Not the negotiating table. Take a seat at the potential table. See, God did these things to to give Gideon the opportunity to grow his faith in these things, which was sort of somewhat inconsequential, before he would ultimately get to where he had the faith to go in and lead the people of Israel against the nation that had been oppressing them for seven years. So you can allow God to grow your faith at the potential table. Just don't sit at the negotiating table or don't sit at the potential table so long and get so comfortable that you never get up and get moving. God asked something of Gideon through this process as well. Last year, a couple of our team members, uh, Reese McBeast and J-Mac, reached out to me uh, wanting to know about uh, home air filtration systems. We've got a pretty uh, kick-butt uh, set up at our house, so uh, J-Mac on behalf of her boss, but also them. And the reason being was sort of autumnish, is because uh, there was controlled burns taking place up in the hills, and it had absolutely blanketed the entire Perth metro area, and so they were finding it very difficult to sleep because of smoke inhalation through the night. And um, so, you know, okay, sure, we, we hooked them up and it's been much better ever since. Uh, but the thing about controlled burns is they kind of don't make any sense. If, I mean, if you don't know what's kind of at play here, it's like, why would the forestry department intentionally, I bet you love uh, controlled burn time of year, Tara, intentionally allow the Perth metro area to be in completely engulfed, sometimes for weeks, 24-7, with smoke. Well, look, I'm not here to give you a lesson in forestry management. I could. I'm smart. Just take it from me. The benefits outweigh the negatives. Sometimes you have to get rid of some things in order to set you up for a better next season in your life. That night, the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that's seven years old, 
Pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. And then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. See, Gideon's father had been playing both sides, believing in God, the God of the Israelites, but worshipping the God of Baal. Believing in and worshipping, they're two different things. And God recognised that because of his father's decision to believe in God, but worship Baal, that was ultimately going to hold Gideon back. This is another reminder that generational stuff matters. Hello. In this case, it was an idol, you know, to to Baal, a statue. And, and, And it's like, okay, well, that was then. That was then. Look, an idol is anything in your life that is taken number one priority ahead of God. And by that definition, even good things can become idols if they've replaced God as number one. Today's idols include things like the pursuit of, the endless pursuit of more money and more stuff. Now, again, I'm all for more money. You got some, want to give it to me? I'll take it. But when we start to worship it, when we start to put more faith in our bank balance than we do in the God who provides it, when we start to prioritize our calendar that we just keep going after more money, more stuff, more money, more stuff, more money, more stuff, and God sinks down below that list, then, then, then it's an idol and then it's a problem. Here's one. It's 2023 in case you missed it. Comfort. It has never been easier in the history of the world to be comfortable, to stay comfortable, to to, to wrap ourselves up in cotton wool and bubble wrap and everything else. Never leave the house. I'll Uber Eats three meals a day. Oh, don't ask me to do something. It's just too hard. I never said that to your grandparents, let me tell you right now. <laughs> you don't understand hard. <clears throat> and again, I like comfort. But when it becomes the number one priority, then it's an idol. And when you choose to follow and worship a Savior who chose to abandon heaven, which sounds like a pretty comfortable place to have been seated, next to the right hand of the Father, come to this place, and ultimately be nailed to a cross, when you decide to follow Him, is a clue. Maybe everything that He wants us to do, comfort is sometimes going to have to take the second priority. And there's a longer list. Appearance, hello. Hey, look, trust me. Give your appearance some attention, all right? That'd be great. I'd like that. Everyone in your world would like that. But, but when it becomes the number one most important thing, then it's an idol. Here's one that will get me no votes for church leader of the year. Your kids can become an idol. And in the words of Forrest Gump, that's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) Status can become an idol. Being more concerned about what other people think of you than what God thinks of you. It's an idol. And I didn't have time to unpack any of them. My pro tip is this, constantly 
audit your priorities. Because typically people don't wake up one day and have their priorities shift from the day before. It's typically priority creep and it happens over time. And so we have to continually audit. Has anything else displaced God from number one? Again, and it could be good things, things that God hasn't said stopped doing, just said don't let them become your top priority. And then he said to Gideon another thing. This one seems super counterintuitive. Soon after, the armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of, Israel, of the east formed an alliance against Israel and crossed the Jordan, camping in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord, hello, mighty hero, the guy in the wine press, the guy that he said, look, just start, go with the strength you have, and I'll be with you. And God does this, clothed him with power. And Gideon blew a ram's horn as a call to arms and the men of the clan of blah, 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 and all these other guys summoning their warriors and all of them responded. 32,000 men in total came to join Gideon, answered the call. 32,000 men. Started with one, Gideon, the coward. Now there's 32,000, which like, is that a lot? Well, uh, it's more than one. But the allied army had 135,000. So at this point in history, Israel are now outnumbered four to one. So maybe the logical amongst us would think, okay, well, surely the next thing God says, well, good start, Gideon. Blow that thing again, because you're probably going to need about another 100,000 to join your crew, fallen alliances, whatever it takes. Just keep blowing that thing. Instead, this happened. The Lord said to Gideon, uh, you have too many warriors with you. It's like, wait, what? If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. This is a reminder. You don't need to have everything you think you need in order to do the thing that God's called you to do. In fact, if you've got everything you need, you don't need faith. Hello. If the parking ticket costs four bucks and you've got four bucks, you don't have to pray. But if the parking ticket costs four bucks, you don't have four bucks, start praying. You don't have to have all your priorities, all your ducks lined up. Some of you don't even know where your ducks are, but look, they exist. I have ducks. Tim has ducks. So God instructed Gideon to thin the herd. 32,000 is too many. 22,000 got sent home before they even got into it. Oh, well, that was a colossal waste of a trip. So now it's 10,000 Israelites versus 135,000 Midianites. So of course God said, actually, there's still too many. Thin the herd some more. In fact, I want you to get it down to 300. In the valley, there's still 135,000 Midianites. And the Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will, again, it's a promise, give you victory, rescue, give you victory over the Midianites. See, God doesn't test our faith so that He can see how much we have. He tests our faith so that we can see how much we have. And take that and get moving. Now, God had already promised 
Gideon victory with his 3,000 strong army. And then he gave him a strategy. And it was kind of a weird strategy. In fact, the strategy was this. God said to Gideon, listen, go like sneak down in the nighttime into the valley where the, Midi- the 135,000 Midianites are camped out and, and, and listen to what they're saying. Like eavesdrop. And he said, and you'll be greatly encouraged. So Gideon and his servant snuck down. And they, and they overheard, the first conversation they overheard was one Midianite telling his Midianite mate about a dream he had. He dreamt about bread. Some of you who are carboholics, you can relate to that. I've dreamt about bread. Yeah, I know you have. Uh, this guy had dreamt about bread. He dreamt that a big loaf of bread had rolled down into the valley and rolled over and crushed the, all of the tents of the 135,000 Midianites. And his mate said to him, oh dear, that can only mean one thing, that God's already promised the Israelites victory over us. And Gideon's like, yep, 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 I'm greatly encouraged, all right. So when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship before the Lord. And then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, get up, hello, for the Lord has given you victory This is the first time Gideon's making this declaration, but God's already said it three times to Gideon. But now, having gotten up from the potential table, by the way, started at the negotiating table, eventually moved to the potential table, but then he got up and started walking towards his potential. Now this was a promise that he believed. This was him. He's grown in his faith. And he worshipped. He worshipped before the war. I said to our team this morning, it's one of the reasons at 10 a.m. I said 10 a.m. 10 a.m. <laughs> that like start at 10 a.m., not like pull into the general postcode at 10 a.m. Rivervale 6103. Uh, we start with worship. Because when we gather, there's destiny here that's on the line. There's potential here that's on the line. There's faith here that's on the line. And in some cases, if you're not a Jesus follower yet, there's heaven and hell on the line. So I said to the team this morning, we're not doing it just so you can warm up. Let's get physical, physical. We, we worship before the war. And we thank God in advance for who he is. We thank God in advance for what he's promised. We thank God in advance for what he's done and what he's going to do. We create an atmosphere of faith where people can hear God's word preached, not a TED talk with a few Bible verses thrown in. That's why we do it. So here's a question right now. And by the way, we're about to worship in a moment. But before we do, what's the war that God's calling you to fight? As a church, we're at war. Our mission is to reach people and build people. And in case you hadn't noticed, it's hard. It it takes work. We've got an enemy and his number one thing is to ensure that doesn't happen. So we fight for healthy growth. Every day, every week, every Sunday when we gather, we fight. What's, What's a fight that God's calling you to? Is it a fight for your health? Is it a fight for financial provision? Is it a fight for restoring a relationship, maybe with your spouse or a family member or a colleague? Is it a fight for business and career opportunities? 
Is it a fight for your studies that God will give you favor in your exam? So here's what we're going to do in a very short moment is we're going to stand and we're going to worship. I'm going to introduce a new song to us today. It's going to be via video. Uh, our music team, if everything goes to plan, sure will. Uh, we're going to introduce it live next Sunday. It's called Already Won. Because <clears throat> the thing about Gideon, by the way, go on and read the rest of the story for yourself this afternoon. It is insane what happened next. Like this stuff now, this was like PG. What happened next was insane. How, how the war was actually won in reality. But the war wasn't won in reality from God's perspective when the Midianites were defeated. The war was won from God's perspective when he said to Gideon, mighty hero, I'm going to defeat the Midianites as if we're fighting one man. As soon as God declared that, the victory was already won. It had to play out. Gideon had to play his part. He had to be obedient. He had to take steps of faith. In other words, the, the victory is declared. It's promised. It's a given. Providing we take steps of faith and obedience, then that's when we get to experience the victory. Yeah. Or not. But it also means that we can actually thank God for the victory back when the promise hits our radar. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.